This JP Sports Podcast brought to you as a service of First Bankers Trust, member FDIC. Chris Dornbush, State Farm Insurance, Carthage and Hamilton. Tucker, Hartzell and Bryan, Attorneys at Law. Bergman Farm Supply, Carthage. Marine Bank and Trust, Carthage, Hamilton and Augusta, member FDIC. Carthage Mutual Insurance and its area agents. The Hancock County Veterinary Clinic, Hamilton. Carthage Veterinary Clinic, Carthage. Fortress Bank, member FDIC. Memorial Medical Clinics of Hancock County. Caps, Ancelet, Rasmussen, and Eisenhockel, Attorneys at Law. John Hawkinson, State Farm Insurance, Hamilton. Morton Buildings, Carthage. And the Carthage DQ Grill and Chill Restaurant. Hello and welcome to the JP Sports Pod. I'm your man Ethan Lillard and we are here today to talk Hancock County sports. Doesn't get any better. Uh, First off, let's go ahead and give a huge congrats to the West Hancock Titans boys on one heck of a season advancing all the way to the sectional championship game against Deer Creek Mackinac. Unfortunately, they fall just short in that one, matching a program high for the longest postseason run that this program has made since converging and forming the West Hancock Titans. So, congratulations to the boys. It was an awesome season. I enjoyed watching every single game. Um, I only hope that these next two seasons are going to be just as special, if not even more special. So uh, I just wanted to start it out by giving those guys a huge shout-out. Thanks to Coach Pinkston and all of his players for all the amazing highlights and interviews and just opening up and being so willing to talk to me this season. It was fantastic. Um, but, you know, today we're going to we're gonna continue on the girls' basketball trend for now because I talked to Illini West girls head coach Grant Supernot the other day, and I also spoke with West Hancock girls head coach Wilson Neal. So, to put the cherry on the very tip top, we have to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Long, who is at the helm of the Central Southeastern Girls Basketball Program. We have to talk to him about this season, and we have to talk to him about what the future has in store, because this Hall of Fame coach has huge expectations for this program year in and year out, and I, along with the rest of the county, are very interested to see what he thinks about this season and also what is in store for the future for the Panthers. So... Without further ado, I'm going to cut right on into it. Go ahead and give you this interview with Hall of Fame head coach, Matt Long. First off, coach, thanks for joining me today. Um, been a while, so I wanted to stop and talk to you. How have things been since the since the season came to a close there? Oh, it's still been busy. As athletic director, i got a lot of spring sports that we're preparing for, so you just go from one animal to the next. <laughs> That's right. Um, I was going to say, with you being athletic director, you probably got a pretty full plate with everything coming up this season, don't you? Uh, yeah, a lot of supervision. You know, you always worry about the weather this time of year, and hopefully it'll hold off and allow our spring sport kids to get in ample number of contests. Right. Um, I wanted to talk to you about this basketball season. It, it was kind of a transitional phase, it seemed like, because you had went to state the past two years. You know, you had... 
you had the Colby stage, and then you had the stage where you had Hildebrand and Vance. And this year, you kind of had you had Laney. You didn't really know what you had outside of her. So, um, what what was it like coming into this season, knowing that you know this season was going to be a lot different from those past two seasons? Obviously, you still had the high expectations, but knowing that you had lost so much talent, what what was it like for you coming into this year? Well, that, that's the great thing about a new season. You know, every team that I've ever coached or anyone that has ever coached will tell you each team has their own unique identity. And uh, we knew coming in at the start of the year that we were going to have to develop that. By no means were we going to be the same team that we were last year or the same team that we were 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it took us a while and, you know, to figure out our roles and to start to build that identity. But once that started falling into place, things started going smoother for us. And obviously, this season, Delaney's junior year. Next year, you still got her for one more year. So there's a lot of a lot of talent and a lot of you know skill that's going to be coming next year with Laney and the girls that you developed this year. What did you see this year that gives you kind of you know a renewed sense of energy or more confidence for next season to maybe be a little bit better for you? Considering you know Delaney's got those three years under her belt and now she's going to be that senior captain, and you saw what you had out of some girls last season. Well, I think the biggest thing will be, you know, our younger kids get some very valuable uh, varsity playing time this year, uh, you know, due to injuries and also due to the numbers game. So we're looking forward to it. You know, I I think our sophomore class will really step up next year. They'll be juniors, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We think we have some uh, pretty good pieces in place to uh, have a, a pretty nice season next year. Who were some of the girls that kind of surprised you this year? Because obviously, like you said, Leah Turner, she gets hurt in the year, so she was going to be one of your more primary ball handlers. And then when she goes down, you kind of have to put the ball in the hand of some girls who maybe necessarily hadn't dribbled the ball or felt comfortable with the ball before. Who were some of those girls that showed you this season that they're capable, capable of stepping up and filling those varsity roles for you possibly next season? Well, the problem with that is is that we did have some kids step up and show that they could take care of it, but it was what I call a part-of-the-time thing, not an all-the-time thing. Uh, I think Kendi Marlowe got some uh, really good minutes at ha- having to handle the ball against pressure on her press. The Dear Wester girl, Natalie, at times had to step up and take care of it. But our goal next season is, you know, we have to be able to move Laney off the point position uh, to really open up our offense. And uh, we're looking forward to somebody stepping in, taking on that point guard role. Leah Turner, we think we have the pieces to do it. But what a lot of people don't realize is our starters this year missed 37 total starts due to injuries to Wes Kirkin, uh, to Turner, to Laney Lance, and Kaylee Hughes, and the list just goes on. I mean, we fought the injury bug all year long. And what, what was that like fighting the injury bug? Because, you know, it's kind of, did you have to kind of be like that Bill Belichick kind of next man up? I know he's fa- infamous for kind of saying that next man up, somebody gets hurt, you got to have somebody to fill in. What what was it like going through that this season? Like you said, 37 games, that's a lot of games to be missing some of your key pieces. Well, it's kind of like a puzzle. You know, the, the difference between us and Bill Belichick is we, we're not as deep as he is. So if you have one kid go down to injury, you may be moving three different kids to three different spots and making a whole different puzzle to make things work. Right. It's not like, you know, we, we, we have a second-team All-State that can move into that spot. So that may mean, you know, for instance, Lena Turner went down, we had to move Laney to the point. Zakyla went from the two to the three. 
you know, the Marlowe girl, we end up having to play inside, who we wanted to play more face in the basket this year than with her back to it. So that, that's the bad thing about high school, small high school basketball is if you get one injury or something happens, it's just not like plugging in one more person. I mean, you're doing, you've got a lot of movement going on there and a lot of reteaching and, and focusing, things of that nature. And um seemed like at the end of the season, Laney came back and tried to play healthy, and Zakyla played, tried to play. You know, obviously they probably weren't at 100%, but they weren't going to miss the postseason for you. What was it like? What's it like seeing those girls kind of have that grit and determination and kind of taking on, you know, your mentality of, you know, playing, playing that rough physical style defense and trying to play through any kind of aches and pains that they have when your team, when the team needs them the most? Well, I think, you know, one of the biggest things is I think our kids buy into the fact that we don't have time to sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. When somebody goes down with an injury, of course, you know, you feel for them and so forth. But we train our kids. Our kids also understand that everyone else on the team still has a job to do. And the expectation from our communities is for us to be successful, put a good product on on the floor. And uh, our kids know the longer they're out, the farther behind they're getting. And uh, I think, you know, credit to our kids. I think we have some tough kids. I mean, I don't think people really realize, especially with Zakyla Westkirk and what she actually went through this year with the pain and thing. And hats off to her. I mean, it was important to her, and she came out and gave us what she could. And do you think that, you know, Colby's injury dating back when, when she tore her ACL, do you think that kind of helped you and this team's mindset in terms of next man up mentality, considering they had kind of been through that before and you'd been through that before with Colby? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think our kids have had that mentality for several years, but you know, the Kobe thing, uh, very simple. The message to our team when Kobe went down was I gave him a day to let it soak in. And, and the message was, we still have enough talent sitting in this gym to reach our goals. And at the point in time, that's Redburn arena. And uh, the kids bought into that. And uh, I mean, you know, so you have to have, even the kids that aren't injured have to have a tough mentality to be able to get through, uh, you know, things like that. And our kids have been able to respond the last few years to anything that adversity that's been laid in front of them. And I think that's made them stronger people and it's going to make them stronger women in the real world. You talked about Zakyla, huge piece of the team for the past, you know, three, four years. Um, she's going to be graduating and moving on. Uh, you just want to talk about how big she was for the team and who maybe you think you could see stepping up and playing that key lockdown defender role slash, you know, one of the more primary ball handlers on the offensive end or somebody you lean for or look for for offensive production when it comes time for needing some buckets? Well, Zakyla is one of those players, and I've said for three years, you cannot measure her importance to our team on stats. Right. I mean, she only averaged 4.4 or 5 points this year. Uh, you know, but you just you have to look at the the game itself. I mean, to me, she's one of the best lockdown defenders that I've ever coached. She's one of the best lockdown defenders when she's healthy and she wants to play that I've ever seen. You know, and just like this year, there's a couple people like, hey, what's wrong with Kylie? She's just not scoring. Well, I mean, case in hand, Rockford Lutheran brought a Division One first team All Stater into our place, and she held her to seven points, seventeen points under her average. So, you know, I, I don't think you can look at just the scoring stat line, the offensive stat line, to realize the importance of Zakyla Westkirk and brought to our team, and even uh, last year as a junior when she came off the bench, uh, you know, she probably could have started. And but she gave us that spark that we need to come off the bench, and she bought into that role. And defensively, you can't replace her. 
I mean, we, we, we just, we can't. I mean, she's one of those, one of those one in a million kids. Uh, and really, to be honest with you, what made her a great defensive player was her athleticism, because I tell people all the time, our most fundamentally sound defensive player is Kendi Marlowe. Right. But because of the athleticism that Zakila has, has as an athlete, she's able to get away with a lot more mistakes than what Kendi Marlowe would be able to. Right. And at the beginning of the season when I interviewed you for the preview, you had said Marlowe was going to be a piece of the puzzle, and I don't think anybody realized how big she was going to be. And the, all the games that I came to this season, it seemed like she was getting more and more comfortable you know, squaring up to the basket, trying to find her shot, trying to get some offensive production, real, realizing that Delaney Lance, you know, couldn't carry the whole entire load for the team. Um, just how significant was Marlowe for you this season? How significant was it to see her develop and grow for you and to kind of find a, you know, second, third, fourth, whatever she may be scoring option for you offensively and, like you said, defensively, one of your better defenders on the season? Well, I think Kendi's another one of those players you just can't look at the stat line and decide how important she is to our team. She's one of those kids that got loose balls. She was getting touches on the defensive end. She's a great defensive player. If you like watching fundamentally good defensive players that do everything right, 95% of the time I tell our young kids lock in on Kendi Marlowe. Um, so she grew up a lot, you know, and, and it's no secret. She knows it. We've talked about it. She had a tough postseason this year for us. But, you know, I've, I've, I've told her, you know, it's situations like those that make you a better player. And, and we, have a very easy, uh, we have a very easy slogan this year going into next year, and it's very simple, and it applies to her. The sins of summer pay their debts in the winter, which simply means if you're not working hard in the summer, don't expect to come out and be rewarded in the winter because uh, your inability to work hard for any athlete in the summer, you know, is going to threaten playing time for them come winter. What does the summer look like for you? Do you have any kind of like camps or any kind of shootouts and stuff like that planned? Yeah, we'll host our first shootout the first weekend in June, and then we'll go to uh, Galesburg a couple times and Havana a couple times. And and our month of June is pretty packed with a soft or with basketball. Of course, you can't go over the twenty five contact days. We don't get close to that. We use about eighteen contact days, and we do a lot of individual work in our gym. Uh, on their own and things. They have a skill sheet of things they know they need to work on. So we'll put in the time, or or they'll have the opportunity to put in the time. And like I tell them every year, you know, I'm not going to babysit you. Uh, you know you know what your weaknesses are. You know the things that you need to improve upon to get the playing time that you feel like you deserve. And uh, so they'll, and, and they respond to that. They get in the gym. I've never had a problem with our uh, Central Southeastern kids working hard. I mean, they've always put forth the effort. We just need to get a little bit better in a few areas this summer and uh, figure some things out in order to get where we want to be next year. And what might some of those areas be? I know that obviously this year, uh, as I already said, Delaney kind of shouldered the load a lot offensively. Is that kind of one of the things you're looking for, is somebody to provide a little bit more ball handling and offensive production in terms of putting the ball in the hoop this coming season? Yeah, you know, I think we need to find somebody that can take some of that weight off uh, Laney's shoulders. Uh, we tried to do that throughout last year. And at times we had some kids, Olivia Lance, that, you know, took the weight off her shoulders, became a, a, a good scoring threat for us. 
you know, in certain games. And that's the one thing. The second thing is our uh, our basketball IQs got to increase. I didn't feel like really last year not knocking these kids because this comes off on me. I just didn't really feel like at times we had great basketball IQ on the floor. We made some decisions that we shouldn't have made. And that just comes from getting in and playing. And, again, we play a lot of young sophomores. And uh, we even played a couple freshmen here and there. So with some time this summer and going into next year, we hope we resolve some of those problems. And we all have to become good shooters. I mean, in today's age, if you can shoot the basketball, you're going to play. But the difference between today and the day of the Larry Birds and those people is the kids don't come in and get up the shots like, like they used to 10, 15, 20 years ago. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, I know you're not the only one who's noticed that. I think it's it's kind of like a generational thing. You know, I, I have a little brother. He's 10 years younger than me. And it seems like when I was when I was a young kid, we'd be down at the tennis courts shooting baskets. All the time we'd be outside playing basketball and things. It seems like, and, you know, I don't know if it has to do with technology or kids just not having the motivation, but it doesn't seem like you see as many kids out there doing that kind of thing, getting out there, getting the work. Do you think – what do you think is the, the kind of change – that has happened over the years that you referred to as, you know, kids not putting in as much work possibly now as they used to, you know, say 10, 20 years ago? I think, me personally, I think it's a leadership issue. I think 15, 20 years ago, our society developed young leaders, and those kids would take upon themselves to get the other kids out and do some things to, in order to, to develop their game. Now the leaders of our kids are the adults. I mean, we have to tell them, here's what we're doing at this point in time. We have to open up the gym for them. We have to put the ball in their hand. Uh, there's no more, There's no more. I shouldn't say no more, but there's fewer and fewer uh, athletes that I see that are true leaders that are starting to come between our system. But I always tell people, don't blame them. Uh, we're the ones responsible for allowing them to be like that. Have you kind of had a talk with any of your players to kind of tell them, hey, we need that kind of leader to push these girls in the off season, or are you just kind of, like you said, giving them that talk that you know what you need to do and just letting them go? Well, to be honest with you, we started talking about leadership for the 2018-19 season about eight minutes after the final buzzer went off at Havan in the locker room. Uh, that was the first thing I addressed is, you know, we have to develop somebody that, that's going to lead this ball club and that everyone else around them is going to respect them and not take it personal. Uh, when, when we find that leader. So, you know, that's our goal right now. Uh, we have a couple kids who I think can be great leaders. It's just going to come down to them be, becoming uh, comfortable in the skin, wearing the skin of a leader. Right. And uh, played Havana on their home court in that regional game, uh, uh, regional semifinal game. Obviously that was a tough one for you, um, but you came out with the win. Your girls were resilient. They played a lot of good basketball. Then you almost came out with that regional championship, just fell short. So what what was this postseason like for you after having that success in the past? And what, what do you think you can take away from this season and, you know, your girls making it as far as they did, taking on a good Havana squad on their own home floor, defeating them and making it to the regional championship and being in the game the whole entire time? Well, I think it's twofold. Number one, it was disappointing when we walked off the floor, and I know a lot of people think I'm crazy, uh, but we really felt like we were going to win that ball game going in. We felt like we had the pieces uh, that would give Eureka, you know, some trouble, and uh, we really felt like, you know, we were in a good spot, and we were. I mean, we led basically for three and a half quarters, but we didn't lead when it was most important, and that was at the end of the game. 
Uh, we made some mistakes coming down the stretch that, and, and again, that goes back to the basketball IQ thing, understanding clock management, time of the game, and so forth. Uh, me and Coach Harris on the way home from the game, we both agreed we didn't we, we didn't coach our best game of the year. I mean, there's things I look back on today that I'm thinking, man, why didn't I try this? Why didn't I do that? So it's not just the kids. I take responsibility for it. But, uh, you know, I've got basically there was three losses in my career that have really always haunted me, and now it's grown to four, and that's one of those games. Uh, it was very uncharacteristic of us. You just don't see CSC ball teams. Uh, having a 10-point lead in third quarter and, and giving that up. Usually in the past, we've been able to salt it away and come out with a win. And, you know, seeing Eureka have the success they did, does that kind of give you even more hope for next season, seeing that your girls were able to compete with, you know, one of the better teams around? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, we, we – we don't give people accolades for coming close in our program. I mean, we still got beat by Eureka. Uh, we did some things that we sh- shouldn't have did during the game that uh, hurt us. And, you know, as far as next year goes, it- it's a new year. There'll be a new identity. There'll be a new group-, group of girls. We won't reflect back on what happened this February at Havana against Eureka, you know. But I think our kids are smart enough to know that uh, if we hang on and-, and we play well in the fourth quarter against Eureka, and we get that win, who knows what would have happened. I, I think we were as good as anybody in our sectional, and I think we were as good as anybody we'd have seen at the super sectional. And what, what's it like for you, you know, southeastern's Hancock County, so that makes you a Hancock County school. And what's it like this season? Because I know the very beginning of the year was Hancock, you know, pulled off an upset on you guys. Um, Illini West was obviously on top all year, and then they ended up losing that first game of the regional. Um, but Illini West has a lot coming back. West Hancock has a lot coming back. Uh, what's it like for you now seeing these other schools in the area that you play on a regular basis slowly starting to come up and you know give you guys a challenge every single game? Um, do you think that's going to be you know beneficial for the program to continue to develop those rivalries and have those tough battle-tested games before the postseason rolls around? Uh, yeah, I think those are two very, very good teams. And Wes Hancock, you know, improved a lot this year. Illini West was typical Illini West, a uh, real tough opponent. They're both really well coached. And as far as our program goes, we enjoy playing both of them. We enjoy playing good teams. Uh, we try to think outside the box. When we set our schedule this year, we played Lutheran, Rockford Lutheran, Champaign, St. Thomas Moore. So anytime we can get a close opponent, uh, that we know is going to be a quality opponent. We we look forward to the opportunity to play them, and I don't think it's any secret. I think people know the rivalry, especially between uh, CSC and Illini West, uh, and I think you can throw the records out the window when, when both our teams hook up, and, you know, it's a war, and it's games like that that get you ready for the postseason run. And we, we emailed back and forth after that game, the regional championship game, Dwayne scores 39 points in that one, pretty much all your points, but like three. Um, you said you didn't even know at the time she had that many points. Uh, what was it like seeing Laney be able to do the things she did this season? And do you feel that she has kind of taken that step forward that gives you confidence that her senior year, she's going to be able to, you know, do everything that you want her to do in terms of leadership, offense, defense, and put it all together and lead this team next season? Uh, I think she's. I think she's going to become a quality leader. You know, I think uh, next year is going to be a different year for. Her. I think teams are going to concentrate on her more. 
and uh, try to do things to take her away from us. But going back to the Eureka game, you know, in the sectional where she – or the regional, excuse me, where she scored 39 – you know, there was a lot of people that said, well, you know, you just didn't get anyone else involved. But, I mean, for those people that were there, she only shot one shot outside the paint. I mean, and our philosophy is, you know, we're not going to give it up if we can get a good shot in front of the rim. And she did that all night long, you know, and and uh, publicly, you know, with one media outlet in Hancock County, uh, we got a little bit crucified that, you know, we didn't do enough to, uh, to win the game. We just relied on her but. You know, she she's a player, and uh, she did take a lot of shots that game, but I don't think when you go back and you watch the game film, which I did, uh, she didn't take one bad shot the whole night. And, uh, you know, and that's just a kid trying to will her team to a victory. And for whatever reasons, early in the game, we tried to get some other kids involved. And uh, they were young kids. They'd never been in that what we call moment before. And... Uh, you know, Laney, Laney did what we asked her to do, and, and that was to put us on her back and keep us in the ball game. Uh, but what, what everyone needs to realize is there was five or six other kids that were on the floor on the defensive end that was sticking a very good Eureka team and held them to 45 points, I think, uh, that was used to averaging 71 points a game. So it wasn't just the Laney Lance show. I mean, everyone likes to look at the offensive stat line, but we had a lot of key players, J.C. Nall rebounding that game. I mean, she, she just had a hellacious game on the boards for us. Uh, the Marlowe girl defensively played real well. you know. And we had several other kids that stepped up and, and did some nice things for us. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just too bad as a coach everyone focuses in on that in line, and that's points or points per game. Uh, I think a lot of kids have a, uh, the intangibles, I guess what I'm trying to say, the intangibles of the game are a lot more important to me than the stat line. Right. Yeah, I, I'm guilty of it too, Coach. Um, I'm guilty of looking at the stat line, and I think that that's a lot with today's society. I think they, you know, we so much like to look at numbers, and we like to compare numbers from past to present. Like today is a numbers game for some reason, but like you said, it comes down to the X's and O's, offense and defense, what your defensive players can give you. And you have the girls that have that defensive mentality, um, do you you have any girls off the top of your head that you can think of that are going to be huge factors, whether it be on the offensive end or defensive end for you in the coming seasons, or any girls that you are excited to see what they can bring in terms of how they develop over the summer, how they transition into next season? Well, I'm really excited to see how our three freshmen this year uh... – Haley Marlowe, Jaden Henry, and Kaylee Fessler develop. I think we have an opportunity to have some uh, kids in that class that can help us. Again, it's going to come down to, you know, if they're going to put the time in away from the season on their own. And I'm also really excited about this eighth grade class that we have coming in from both schools. I think they're going to give us a whole new added dimension, and there's some nice athletes in there. And, again, you know, it's just, you know, we have to develop an identity, but yet, Within that identity, we have to keep some of the characteristics that have followed our program for for a lot of years, and that's just, you know, toughness, uh, playing great defense, rebounding the basketball, and understanding our roles and things like that. And we'll be fine next year, you know. Uh, I had a parent in the community ask me the other day, man, you're not going to be very good next year. And I said, you know, I, I acknowledged it. I said, yeah, you're probably right. And then, you know, but when you get thinking about it, we have some nice pieces coming back. I think we'll – I think we'll be. I think we'll be all right in 2018-19. How do you get your players to kind of develop and 
take over your mindset and have them play like you want them to play because obviously you know it's kind of like a Reno Pinkston thing as well he's just he's tough he's hard-nosed and he's known to always get the most out of whatever he has on the floor and the same applies for you I think you're kind of the girls basketball version of that how do you develop girls and have them take on your mindset and have that you know hard-nosed toughness to go out there and just give it your all every single game and you know just put it all on the line, be selfless, and play CSC girls basketball? Well, I think there's two things, and I think the kids that play for me now and the kids that played for me 25 years ago, a lot of people say I've changed, but one thing that hasn't changed is I'm not a big that boy person. I mean, if you do what you're supposed to do, why should you need a pat on the back? I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. And so I'm not a big complimentary person. And when I do compliment the kids, I mean, it wows them because they know they've done something special. Um, so that's the biggest thing. And the second thing is I think you develop, you develop that attitude and toughness in practice. I mean, we have, we have a motto in practice. Do it right, do it light. Do it wrong, do it long. I mean, we can be out here in an hour and a half if you want to get after it and go hard, uh, elbows to the wall, or we can be here till quarter to six. It's your choice. And so we try to develop that mentality in practice. But the other thing you have to realize, too, is I've been very blessed to have a lot of good athletes come through a program that come from families that possess the same values that I tried to instill into our kids on the floor. So that helps a ton. I mean, our communities, uh, the job they've did with these young ladies and the parenting that these young ladies have got, not only present but the past athletes, is tremendous. And I've always had their support, and for that I'm thankful. And I know I keep bringing her name up, but what's what's it been like to watch Delaney Lance throughout her career? Obviously, she, you know, as a, as a freshman, I think you kind of had an idea of what she could be. And then before you know it, she becomes, you know, an all-state mention in just her freshman season. Turns around, does the same thing. Sophomore year, and obviously this season, she had an incredible year as well. What's it been like having a player of her caliber and watching her develop, and obviously what do you have in terms of a goal for her next season if you kind of talk to her about what you expect from her next season? Well, I think first of all, I, I mean, it's no secret she's a tremendous talent, and anytime you can be around a kid like that. But what separates Laney from the other kids is that maybe equally have the talent that she has, it would be unbelievable to know how many hours she puts in on her own in the gym. I mean, it's amazing. I, I would fathom to say that there's not another player in the state that outdoes, works her in the off season or in the season even. Uh, so, you know, when she came in as a freshman, uh, you know, she, she was a freshman. And I remember the days where you could just look at her and bring her to tears. And, uh, you know, she, she has since developed the understanding that you know, I love them all, and I'm only there to help you. You know, you have to take some criticism, whether it's constructive or not, at some point in time. And I always tell her kids, my, my and Laney has finally understood this, uh, I do things in practices that probably a lot of people wouldn't understand. But I always tell my kids, the reason why I do these things for you guys is, is so practice is tougher than the game. So when we walk out in the game floor, things become easy to you. And I think that's one thing that Laney has learned the last three years is, you know, you don't always have to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, but in the end, you'll get it. Right. You'll reflect back and say, okay, I get why he did that now. And so she's a tremendous talent. My, my goal for her is just to come out her senior year, number one, healthy the whole year. 
I mean, out of fairness to her, I don't care anything about the stat line. I just want her to be able to play one whole year healthy. And, and, and that's just out of respect for her. The second thing is, and it's no secret, you know, uh, we put the team first, but on an individual basis, as we try to do with all of our kids, we want to be able to open up some college opportunities for them. And I always tell my kids, you know, your parents give you so much through your K-12 through years, bringing you to basketball practices, camps, paying for this, paying for this. And that's the gift that they give you. The gift that you can give them back is getting your college education paid for. And I think that's the, uh, that's the happiest point of my career is when I see kids going on and getting part of their education paid for through athletics, whether it's basketball, volleyball, track, softball, whatever it may be. Because to me, again, that's the way they, they pay the debt back to their parents. Where do you think, where could you see Delaney possibly going college-wise in terms of, you know, D1, D3, JUCO, whatever it may be? Well, you know, I think it depends on the situation. You know, there's a lot of people that didn't think Ali Schwagmeyer was a Division One basketball player. Well, Charleston, uh, Southern Charleston University felt like she was a Division One player. Uh, I didn't perceive Ali as a Division One basketball player, but she played D1. Uh, so I think a lot of it depends on the school, the setting, the environment, what they're looking for, uh, you know, and, and those types of intangibles. But I think Laney, with her work ethic, I think Laney could play at a lot of schools. Uh, by no means am I going to sit here and say she, she's a Division One signee. I think she could be in the right situation. Uh, but, you know, I don't want to answer that for her. Like I always tell the kids, you know, if that's your dream, I'm not going to close that dream. Right. And I think Laney has the dream. Of, of playing big-time college basketball, whether that's D1, D2, whatever it may be. And who am I to close that door for her? I mean, we're going to work as hard as I can work to get her to where she wants to go. Definitely. Um, how long have you been coaching? What year is this going to be coming into next season? What will that year be for you, year-wise? 29. 29. Um, if you have any thoughts of how much longer you're going to be coaching, I know that's probably a question that you maybe get every now and then and you probably don't like answering, but if you gave it any thought, how long you want to keep on going for coaching-wise? Well, the night we got beat by Eureka, I was quitting the next day, 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I still enjoy it. You know, I've got a daughter that's in the fifth grade, and a lot of people are like, you know, you can be able to hold on for seven or eight years to coach her. And here's what I tell everybody, and my I've talked to my wife about it. As long as I'm enjoying it, I'm going to do it. You know, but you never know when that time's going to come where you're just like, you know what? It's time for the next adventure in my life. It's time to go do something different. That could happen this summer. could happen in three years, four years, who knows? Uh, but the one thing I won't do is I won't hang on too long for right. a certain group of kids. I won't hang on for for personal milestones. When it's time to go, I'll do the, I'll, I'll do the fair thing for a program, and I'll step aside and let someone else come in with some new energy and keep it rolling. And, and were you kind of tested in that when you had your bout with cancer? Because obviously that was kind of a, not even kind of, I shouldn't say kind of, that was a really tough situation, especially while you have all the pressures of taking a team to state like you did while you're going through that. Did that ever cross your mind when you were going through that? Like, hey, maybe it's time for me to step away from coaching or did you always say, you know, this is what I'm going to keep doing? Well, I think the thought crossed my mind that I might have to not that I wanted to, and I think there's a difference. I think there's certain things in life that force you to make certain decisions. 
and then sometimes it's just the right thing to do. So when I was going through that struggle, I, I was smart enough and intelligent enough to understand. I'm not a real smart person, but I knew there might come a, a day w- with fighting the battle that I might have to step aside and let someone else take the reins, which, you know, and my thinking was I'm going to do what's in the best interest of the program. But with that being said, uh, didn't really think about it because the basketball floor, like I've told tons of people, that was my outlet. I don't know if I'd have got through what I got through as healthy as what I did without having the basketball program to lean on and to be able to walk in that gym and just have a release time. Right. And how how big was it to be able to have Jordan there as an assistant coach? And how big is that in terms of taking a load off your shoulders for when you do decide to step away, assuming that he stays with the program? Because you can tell on the sidelines that he's developed your passion. He's developed some of your characteristics and you can tell that he's going to be a great coach in the future. Well, he's already a great coach. I mean, he's head coach of material right now. I've been very, very blessed since we started co-op to have two great young assistants, uh, Brett Ufkus from Southeastern and Jordan Harris both. I mean, you cannot measure the importance of those two people and the effect that they've had on our program. And speaking a little bit more about uh, Jordan right now, I mean, uh, he's one of those guys where, and I, I felt this year I missed my first game ever from being sick, but I felt very comfortable. Uh, in the past, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have trusted the people around me. But he does a great job, um, and he's got a lot of responsibilities. I trust him. There's times during a game where he'll say, what do you want offensively? And I simply look at him and tell him, you're the offense coordinator. You dial it up, you know. <laughs> and I have that type of trust in him. So our program, you know, when it comes time for me to step aside, if Jordan decides he wants it, our program uh, will be in great hands. And then, you know, of course, we have Brad Efkis before him. And, and I tell people all the time, you know, he's won maybe 10 games in the last two years at Southeastern. But hands down, he's one of the best two or three boys coaches in our area. And I will argue that with people uh, from here to eternity. Because uh, if there's one thing I know, and that's a good basketball coach when I see him. And he's that. I was going to say, I uh... – I actually said a while ago, say what you want about Southeastern's boys basketball program, but Brett Ufkis is easily one of the best coaches in the area. You can't look at record when it comes with him because you can only play with what you've got. And obviously, he's a young coach. It's, it's got to be frustrating going through what the Southeastern boys are going through. Is there any kind of talks that you've had with him or any kind of advice you've given him about what he's doing or just continuing to trust the process or anything like that? Well, yeah, I mean, we went to a super sectional game last night together, and, and we talk weekly, you know. Uh, Brett's the right guy for the job. I mean, trust me, and uh, nothing against uh, their program or anything, but I will guarantee that there's no other program that works as hard as what their boys' program does right now. And, uh, you know, he knows it's a growing process. I told him, I said, and here's what I told him last night. It was funny. I said, would you rather walk into a program that was already established, or would you rather take something – that was, that you need to build up from the ground up and you can look at it and put your name on it. And, and you know, and he understands that. Uh, Brett, Brett's the type of guy, I mean, he's all in at Southeastern. I mean, he will sit here, and, and he told me last night, he goes, Coach, I, we're going to win there. We are eventually going to be win here. And and I believe that. He works that hard. He, he, he's very knowledgeable about basketball. And he just does a great job. I mean, you know, and someday when he gets talent, watch out. Right. Um, goals, goals, obviously 
you know, you talked about we have Laney for one more year. You've got girls you're excited about coming up. What is the goal for Central Southeastern basketball next year? Well, you know, that's something that probably can't go in a whole lot into because we haven't had the time to get together as next year's team. We'll start doing that this summer and establishing what our goals are. But here's the thing I think a lot of people forget about. It's easy to decide what your goal is. But to me, there's a bigger word. What's your dream? Because a dream is something that many people or yourself do not think that's attainable. I don't want to chase the goal. I want to chase the dream. And I think everyone knows what the dream is for every high school athlete in the program. And that's what we're going to uh, chase. You know, people, you know, all the time are like, well, you had two state appearances. Very, 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 very proud of those two teams. Very proud of their accomplishments. But that's not our dream. Our, Our dream is still left out there as a program and for us as coaches and we'll establish some goals, but the big thing is what's going to be our dream next year. And I think most people can read between the lines and they know what that dream is. And that's to get back to what we call the promised land, Redbird Arena, and to finish what we started to win a state championship eventually for this program. Very powerful words. Thank you for joining me, Coach. I'll let you get back to your day. Thank you. Appreciate it.